Hey there, this is Barb in Minneapolis, and welcome to the Biblically Wired podcast. I'm very excited to do a little introduction so you can get a little taste for what this podcast is going to be. I graduated with my Master's of Divinity from Liberty University just a few years back. I now teach Genesis to Revelations every single year. That is through a school here in Minneapolis called Village Schools of the Bible. I will give you more information on that during some of my podcasts because it is something you can sign up for on Zoom. So I have been a little bit biblically obsessed might be a good word or a very curious Christian. I guess I would even call myself a biblical detective of sorts. And basically, I like to get to the root of what the word is saying. In my past, I counted on other people to tell me what the word said and what the word meant. Now, I like to count on the Holy Spirit to help me navigate through a lot of extra biblical resources and through the Bible itself to give me what I think is the most sound interpretation of the text. I take a very non-denominational approach when I study the word. I just like to know what does the word say? And I think that's something that's very lost in our culture. Actually, we are in the most biblically illiterate generation in America ever. Part of that reason, I believe, is we have way too much entertainment at our fingertips. We want quick, easy results when we study something. I would love for us to start turning that tide. I thought about writing a book called Biblical Gems because as I do my research and I'm studying for my classes and digging for the truth, I end up finding these absolute gems, things that excite me about the word, things that get me dancing around my kitchen table. I am ridiculously excited when the Holy Spirit teaches me something new about the Word. I actually can't come up with something more exciting than the Bible to read. The story of Esther, for example, should be an Oscar-winning film. The story of creation is absolutely mind-blowing. The story of Joseph in the Old Testament is considered the greatest human story ever told outside of Jesus Christ. And if somebody wants to know that story, if a Muslim or our neighbor or somebody comes to us and says, hey, you're a Christian, can you tell me about Abraham? Can you tell me how he is the father of three religions? What answer would we have? It is time for us to be equipped so that we can be ready to serve God in a powerful way. The verse in 1 Peter 3.15 has been a motivation for me for a long time. Here in the word it says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. 
So what Peter is saying here is that we should be on the ready. We should be equipped and ready to give an account for what we believe, not only for those who want to persecute us, but especially for those who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus came not to stop the oppression that was over the Jewish people or the oppression that we feel sometimes as Christians, but he came to remove the oppression of sin over us. Forgiving our sins has removed that oppression, and we can stand in confidence that we're children of God. We've been adopted into his family. We are saved. We have nothing but joy before us in glory with Jesus Christ. So I want to end with a little biblical gem that we've run into recently as I've been preparing to teach. I get so excited about all things Jesus. I absolutely love to investigate his life, and I've got some nuggets, some very good ones coming up in the podcast to come. I do want to pre-warn you, my first three or four teachings are kind of fast. I'm used to teaching two hours on Monday nights, and we kind of have to push through a lot of scripture. I plan on slowing that down because my son Bradley, who's in seminary, told me this is not the way it works with podcasts. So that's just a pre-warning. But let's get into this biblical gem here. A lot of people have asked me something that could seem trivial, but it's not. And that is what did Jesus speak and what did Jesus wear? As far as what he spoke, Jesus's childhood home would have spoken Aramaic. Aramaic would have been his language during the day, his language with his friends, his language amongst his family. Hebrew and Greek would have been the language he used for the word of God. He was part of a Bible study. He gathered with men in his town and they studied the word together. Jesus would have studied the Hebrew text and the Greek text. The text that the disciples grew up studying was the Septuagint, and that was the Greek rendering of the Hebrew Old Testament. Alexander the Great had already come through, and most of the world, the proper Roman world, spoke Greek, and there was a huge push for Hebrew to go away. Jesus would also have spoke Latin, possibly, to Roman Gentiles who didn't know other languages. Now, of course, he is God, so he would have understood any language and been able to speak every language. But it is interesting to think about what he spoke while he was here as a human. Now, as far as what he'd wear, this is super cool. I think it's super cool. I promise you, this is going to feel good. Okay, so in this time when Jesus was on earth, there was a lot of things that were kind of simple and set for him to make his presence known. One thing was the entire culture wore what they were. Again, I'm going to say that they wore what they were. So people that were lay people, fishermen, 
storekeepers, farmers, the vineyard guy, they would wear tunics that are varying colors of brown, tan, cream, maybe a little goldish, with an undergarment that was cream or white. If a person was in the upper class because they had an occupation where they made more money, they would wear blues, purples, yellows, the more expensive dyes of the time. Now we have the rabbinical schools or the religious that we read about in the time of Christ. There was two rabbinical schools. There was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In further podcasts, I will go into some more clarification about what they believed because it really makes the text explode. But for now, what they wore, the disciples in those rabbinical schools would have wore the uniform or outfit that signified them as a disciple of a certain rabbi. There was more than two rabbis. There were several that had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. Jesus had disciples. But as Jesus was looking out at a crowd of people, he would have known who were the Pharisees, who were the Sadducees. There were also scribes. Now, scribes are used so that they can write down the letter of the law or reinterpret something or translate something. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they had some of their own books called the Mishnah and Talmuds. These were like commentaries that we have today or explanations. So what they would do is they would take God's law, the Mosaic law, and then they would tell people how to follow it. So for example, keeping the Sabbath holy, they had many hundreds of laws. I could be exaggerating, but I don't think I am. They had that many laws regarding how to keep Sunday holy, how far to walk, whether to light a candle, all those kind of things. So scribes and lawyers, they were there to interpret that text and to help the Jewish council or courts to figure out if somebody had broken one of these scribal laws. So they wore what Jesus called long robes because they wanted to look important. So those are the scribes in the crowd. Let's remember there were Gentiles in the crowd when Jesus was speaking and Gentiles all over Jerusalem. They would have worn not the outfit of a Jew, but possibly similar. But if they were Roman, they may have had a different sandal, a different detail on their shoulders. They may have worn their hair in different ways. If they were Egyptian, they may have had different prints or fabrics. Now, there was another religious group that I have to mention. You will not find them written about in the New Testament, but they were there and they were known. They had a community close to the Dead Sea, not that far from Jerusalem, and they would have come to Jerusalem for the feasts and other activities. This group was called the Essenes, E-S-S-E-N-E-S. These people wore all white. If you were in Jerusalem and you saw someone in all white, you would have assumed they were either an Essene or a Samaritan. The Samaritans, which were half-breeds, Jewish and Assyrians, 
they wore all white and had 22 buttons down the front of their top. So in conclusion, what I want to say is Jesus would not have worn all white. He also would have not worn blue. That is how we see him in a lot of the paintings and pictures that we have around. And that is just fine. This is not a doctrinal thing. The reason I want to mention it is because Jesus would have dressed like a common man when he was standing before people and he was giving his teaching, his sermons, or he was healing people, raising people from the dead, or confronting the religious. Why is this so valuable? This is valuable because most of us would have been common people, and we would have been in that crowd and saying just what they said. We would have said, who is this man? Who is this man who is dressed like me? But he is speaking more righteously and religiously and with more authority than the religious people I have grown up with in the synagogues. Who is this man that is saying he can forgive sins? that is healing people and casting demons out of people, something I have never seen the religious people do. Who is this man? He seems like someone I could invite to my house. He seems like somebody who would let me sit and listen to him. Who are his disciples? They look like the average guy. These are just regular Joes. Who is this guy and what is this kingdom he keeps talking about? You see, Jesus came for the common person, not because he's partial, but because he understood their hearts would respond to his message. Look at his story. Who came to the birth of Jesus Christ but the shepherds? They were outcasts. They were not even allowed to be a witness in court. They were not trusted. People thought they were filthy, but they were the witness called to his birth. They heard the first gospel from the angels. Who got to witness the first miracle? The servants at the wedding. His first miracle was done just for servants to witness and believe. And where was the first revival? The first revival of Jesus Christ's ministry on earth was in Samaria, and it was started by a woman at the well, a sinner. These kind of things are what make me want to skip and holler and scream and worship and bow down to my king. Guys, with just a little bit of digging, we figured out what he wore, what his disciples wore, what it would have felt like to be in the crowd. Can you see how exciting it is to place yourself in the story of Jesus Christ? He is after the average Joe. So let's just be that army of average Joes that is in love with Jesus Christ and taking the time to research and investigate what he came to say and who he was to the world and to all categories of people. Thank you so much for listening to me today. Thank you for taking the time to get to the end of this podcast. In closing, I want to say a little prayer that the Holy Spirit come upon you and that 
in your home and in your life, that you are strengthened in the power of God. Keep your chin up out there in Jesus' name.